There were a lot less of you in my office last night when I practiced. <laughs> um, first picture, please. Many of you know me, but for those who, you, who don't, I'm Melissa Ulberg, Mel to my friends. I'm 39. I know, I know. I don't look a day over 25. I'm a daughter, a wife, and a mom. I love to make people laugh, I love to dance, and I'm on a midlife journey. At first I thought I was having a midlife crisis, but that implied it was a bad thing, and I didn't necessarily think that was the case. So I started calling it my midlife journey. Doesn't that sound so much better? My journey is twofold, or is it? I'm on a faith journey. I'm not sure what I believe or where I belong in the church, any church. I know I believe in God, that I am certain of, but I wasn't always. As a teenager, I constantly doubted God. How do we know he exists? Why do so many bad things happen if there is a God? I recall having strong doubts when the attacks on 9-11 took place. I remember calling my dad that night. I was so confused and angry. If there is a God, he wouldn't have let let something like that happen. My dad's response was that he gave us free will. I have gone back to those words on many occasions. My husband and I had trouble getting pregnant. We had a couple of miscarriages, and during those difficult times, I questioned God yet again. Why did it seem like everyone around me was getting pregnant? Even though I wanted a baby more than anything in the world, it wasn't happening. And then, we were pregnant with twins. We were ecstatic scared, filled with joy, and filled with fear. At 28 weeks, I went in for a routine doctor's appointment and ended up on bed rest for the remainder of my pregnancy. It was during that time when I could feel these two babies growing and moving inside me that I knew there had to be a God. I had to give up so much control. I could lie on the couch as the doctors instructed me. I could take the quickest shower humanly possible because I wasn't supposed to be on my feet, and I could miss my own baby shower, but I could only do so much. I had two miracles growing inside me, and I finally believed in a higher power. God was the only one who knew what was going to happen. I just prayed with all my heart that our babies would stay inside for a little longer so that they would be born strong and healthy, and they were. I now believe part of my purpose was revealed once I became a parent. For quite a few years, Greg and I were busy learning the ropes and just trying to survive. Our lives revolved primarily around those tiny human beings. We got them baptized because that was what we were supposed to do. We went to church if we were having a good day and could get everyone out of the house in time. I've met so many amazing people here at Mount Olivet. Some of the women I consider my closest friends are here. My friend Holly was leading Club 56 and needed Casey's. I had no idea if I was cut out for it, but my friend needed help, so I agreed to do it. I had an amazing group of girls. I see them today and still feel a total sense of joy just by being around them. But in the middle of our second year together, I was sitting in church on a Wednesday night. I was listening to the gospel and sermon and I started to cry. I honestly don't remember what they were about that night, but I remember that I didn't believe it. I didn't believe any of it, and I'm not a good liar. I never have been and probably never will be. I'm not a fake. If you know me, you know just about everything about me. I don't hide much. I knew that night that I could no longer lead that group of girls in their faith journey. I couldn't pretend that I believed everything that was preached about, that I believed in all the words of the Bible. It was so hard to leave them high and dry, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. That was five years ago, and sadly enough, I'm still in a state of constant doubt. 
I believe there was a man named Jesus. I believe he was the Son of God, but I spend a fair amount of time trying to understand some of the scripture. In a way, I picture him a son of God, just like I'm a daughter of God. It might sound crazy to some of you. I feel crazy a lot of the time. Most of the people around me have such a strong faith, a faith I just cannot seem to grasp. How could Jesus have risen from the dead? I just can't wrap my brain around that. Or how is it possible to really part a sea, as the Bible says Moses did? I've had numerous conversations with Pastor John. He and Pete both get random texts from me whenever a question pops up in my head. I've been told by some that I don't have to take the Bible literally, that it's a collection of stories. But if that's the case, why do pastors stand at the altar and make it all sound like fact? Am I the only one who feels this way? Am I the only one who has trouble reconciling this? I can't be, right? If it were just me, I wouldn't really care. I wouldn't be so obsessed with finding the answers and determining my beliefs. But I'm a mom. Henry and Grace ask a lot of questions. And although I don't feel the need to have all the answers all of the time, I do feel like I should be certain in my own beliefs. So I push forward in my faith journey. I read, I listen, I discuss, I rack my brain. Maybe I will come to the conclusion that I'm searching for, and maybe I won't. But I'm going to keep trying. And now for the second part of my journey. I graduated from St. Cloud State with an accounting degree in 1999. Accounting has been very good to me. I met my husband at our first job out of college. I've made a ton of wonderful friends over the last 15 years. But for a while now, I've had a strong feeling that accounting is not what I meant to do in the years ahead. I have felt called to do something more, something important, but called on by whom? Well, considering the magnitude of these feelings, the only conclusion I've been able to come to is that I'm being called by God. This is kind of strange since I haven't always believed in him. I've always tended to have an obsessive personality. When I get an idea in my head, it's in there all of the time. But never has an idea lasted as long as this one has. And to be perfectly honest, it would have been a lot easier for my family if I had just been content where I was. Three and a half years ago, I volunteered on the Vote No campaign. I was extremely passionate about the cause. I believed wholeheartedly that everyone should be able to marry their love. Working on that campaign changed me. I felt energized. I felt like I had a purpose. I was helping to change lives, and it was amazing. So to go back and sit in a cube behind a desk just wasn't going to cut it, but I did it. It was a little hard to convince my husband that I should leave a well-paying job to become a volunteer. Because the thing was, as strong as the feeling was that I should quit accounting, I wasn't sure what it was that I should be doing. And after six months, I'm still not sure. Some days that's really scary. Other days, it's the most exciting thing ever. I have my whole life ahead of me. I keep telling people that I'm trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. And my kids say I'm already a grown up. I want to be clear. I feel extremely fortunate that I'm even able to embark on this amazing journey. The fact that I was able to leave my job and explore these opportunities fills me with plenty of guilt. I know I'm not the only one with dreams, but instead of letting that guilt engulf me, I count my blessings and trudge forward. In October, I became a guardian ad litem for Hennepin County. We are court-appointed advocates for the kids going through the system. We are the eyes and ears for the judge. He or she expects to hear our opinion in court as to what we think is best for the kids. I'm not going to lie to you, it's a tough gig. Some of these kids have been through some awful things. 
Just last week, I sat before a judge and was asked what I thought about a mother having protective supervision of her child. That means the child would still live with her, but the county would be in constant contact. And I wasn't for it. This mother has some things to work on, and before I can trust she can keep her baby safe, she needs to show me the kind of love she is capable of. So the baby will go live with a relative. Hearing this brought the woman to tears. Of course it did. But my role is to look out for the best interest of the child, no matter how hard that might be or who might get emotionally hurt along the way. Many days I feel limited in what I can do for them, but I just continue to do my best and hope it's enough. In November, I started volunteering with the ALS Association. I currently clean a woman's house every couple of weeks. I know it's going to be hard to believe since I hate to talk, but we do usually enjoy some conversation while I'm there as well. When I first interviewed with she and her husband, they asked how I got interested in ALS. Because the truth is, I became interested in the cause after watching a movie called You're Not You, starring Hilary Swank. And now we'll watch a clip. No, we're not going to. But I did think about it. She portrays a woman with early onset ALS who hires a young woman with no true experience in that field to be her personal care assistant. I was so drawn to the movie and thought, I could do something like that. I could help people like her. So I googled ALS Association and the rest is history. Oh, I should also note that I participated in the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. I figured that was the least I could do to spread the word. My friend and I are helping people in need by making blankets, scarves, hats, and cookies. If you haven't already, please check out our Facebook page, Warm Bodies, Full Bellies. It all started very simply in November of 2014. Greg and the kids were away for the weekend, so I had a couple of girlfriends over for a wild and crazy night of knitting and crocheting. You might know them, Holly Carlson and Summer Anthony. Holly tried to teach me how to crochet, which wasn't overly successful. So instead, she introduced me to loom knitting, and it turned out to be the best thing ever. I could knit a hat in no time at all. I made a couple the very next day. That Monday, my friend at work and I thought about the many homeless people in our area that could benefit from some warm homemade hats and scarves. So we started knitting. Neither one of us was completely fulfilled with our day job, so this gave us something to get excited about. It became our passion and the ideas kept flowing. Carrie loves to bake, so we decided to incorporate that into our plan. That's where we came up with warm bodies, full bellies. The hats and scarves would keep people warm and the cookies could fill them up for a little bit. Joanne's had a sale on fleece, so we started making tie blankets as well. Distribution Day 2015 was a huge success, so we did it again this winter. Oh, okay, that's fine. Um, we more than doubled our donations. Thanks to family and friends, we made 50 fleece blankets, more than 140 hats, 33 scarves, several neck warmers, and cowls. And that's my friend Carrie there. That's the van um, before we headed out. We hope to make even more next year. Um, so if anybody wants to make blankets, I am going to try to organize a little something here. For some reason, I feel a strong pull towards helping the homeless, specifically the youth. It seems kind of crazy, but I'm hoping to start a shelter in the northwest suburbs. I'm going to need to come up with a way to raise about $1 million, so it might take me a while. But I'm optimistic. I'm guessing many of you have heard about the one that recently opened in Chanhassen, so it's definitely possible. I just have to figure out the details. Raise the money, of course. Convince the community that it's a good idea for them to house a youth homeless shelter. You know, easy stuff. I've also been helping out at Henry and Grace's school, sometimes in the classroom and in the library every week. It's not much, but I feel good about helping the teachers and staff in the little ways that I am able. It doesn't take me more than an hour or two, and I can tell how it makes their days a little easier. 
I struggle in that there are so many ways in which I can change the world. There are so many needs. I am often overwhelmed. Just ask Greg. I'll watch a documentary and get a crazy, harebrained idea in my head. Most recently, I watched a movie, another one starring Hilary Swank, called Mary and Martha, about two women who lost their sons to malaria. Immediately, I tried to think of ways I could help that cause. My heart gets so carried away, but then my brain slows it down. I have to realize I'm limited in how much I can give and how much I can do right now, especially since I don't have unlimited funds to donate to these causes. Sometimes I get frustrated. I wonder why God would call me to do something but not show me specifically what I'm supposed to do. And why would God be calling me to do something when I'm not even sure about my faith, when I still have so many questions? Should I figure out one part before adding another one? But then I calm down and think that maybe that's part of his plan, and maybe I'm not on two journeys, but one that is long, filled with wonder, confusion, fear, and hope. I've heard of many people on their deathbeds talking about their life's regrets, and I don't want to be one of those people. I might not ever figure out all the answers I'm looking for. Quitting my paying job to do all these other things that don't pay in real money, but instead in so many bigger and more fulfilling ways, might have been a mistake. But I would much rather fail and be able to say that I gave it my best shot than regret never trying. Thank you. Thank you, Mel.